using a lightsaber Bible um, then, <coughs> as opposed to a sword Bible, um, then you may not be able to turn over a page. You'll just have to scroll back through and find um, Luke chapter 1. And I want us to look at five moments in Mary's life and just how she dealt with the things, the, the words that God had spoken to her. God speaks to us, okay? God speaks to us. God has spoken to this church. God has spoken to you as individuals. God speaks to um, his people, okay? So, if you turn to Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, Mary has just received this extraordinary um, uh, <coughs> prophetic promise over her life, saying that she is going to be giving birth to the Son of God. And her response, in verse 37, she says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Well, uh, <coughs> in fact, um, that was the angel said that. The angel said, nothing is impossible with God. And Mary's response is, behold, I am your servant I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So, <clears throat> I've got five words, all beginning with T, just to help you, okay? So, <clears throat> first thing to say is Mary trusted God's word. Mary trusted the word of the angel. She gave herself totally and completely to what God was saying. She said, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, you may say to me, well, Tim, I've never heard God speak to me in that way. I've never felt God speaking to me. I want you just to think back to the, when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest prophetic message that all of us can share, whether we feel we're prophetic in our um, demeanor, is the gospel. Because what you think about it, once the Bible tells us, tells us that we're dead in our sin, we're lost, we're blind, we're in walking in darkness, um, and so on, if we haven't the Lord. And then somebody comes along and shares the gospel with us, and they tell us that we can be alive, we can be found. God will lift the blindness from us, that we have life, and life in abundance, and for eternity. That we were deep in our sin and we can be forgiven. That is a prophetic utterance, isn't it? It's saying to somebody who's over here broken in their sin, you can be alive in Christ. So that was a, and we responded to that. We said, yeah, I believe your word. I trust you. And we're like Mary. We're saying, let it be to me according to your word. I trust you, I'm your servant. And we submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want my life's going to turn around. I'm no longer going to follow after my own thoughts and desires. I'm going to follow after Jesus. And so we give ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ and we respond to God's word. So, if you're a believer and you're sat here this morning, you have heard God's word and you've responded to it. Now, the Bible says, as we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. 
And that's how our lives should be, walking in obedience to the word of God, the written word and his prophetic word. So it's great, and that's what Mary shows us. She trusted everything that the angel said. She said, I'm I'm in total submission to you. Whatever you've said, I want that to happen in my life. It's not just a, yeah, okay, you can have a bit of it, but look, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want any of that stuff, and I don't want this stuff. She, as, as was pointed out earlier on, this young girl just said, yeah, over to you, Lord. And that's how it should be for us at salvation, is, Lord, I lay my life down before you. Now then Elizabeth endorses it later on. She says, blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So Mary trusted God. Then we turn over and we pick up on the point that Phil drew our attention to just now, and it says in verse 19 of chapter 2, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, and so on. So Mary was pondering these things. Suddenly she had seen this prophetic word about being, um, having this child within her, and obviously she'd gone through nine months of carrying this child, and then suddenly here was the child in front of her. And for all of you who have given birth to children, There is something extraordinary, I am sure, that goes from that moment of carrying the child within you and to the moment when the child, you are holding that child in your hands. And it's like, wow, this feels different. This is different. This is completely um, um, other than than what it felt like before. Yeah, you you knew you had a child inside you. You could feel it moving about and so on. And then suddenly, there is the child in front of you. Mary must have been just like, wow, God, this, what you said has happened. It's, the baby's here. And then she's addressed by these, these shepherds come into the room and they kneel in front of her and share with her all the things that the angels have said. And this is an extraordinary moment of God fulfilling what's going on. Now, everybody's, it sort of implies that everybody's quite sort of amazed and things are going on. The shepherds return, glorifying, praising God for all they had seen. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherd, shepherds told them, which is a clear indication that there's more than just Joseph in the room, for those of you. There's probably a midwife or two and family members in the next door room and family members standing outside waiting to see what happens when, um, you know, the baby's born and all oh, we want to come in and say hi to the baby. All that sort of stuff. And all these people have seen what's going on. They're all, oh, yeah, well, this is a bit different. Wasn't expecting this. But Mary says she ponders these words. It's like holding on to them. She thought, there's your T word, she thought about it, but it was slightly more than just thinking about it. She allows it to linger. She meditates on it. She just focuses in on those things. And sometimes we need to, if God is speaking to you or has spoken to you, maybe over this past year, 
God has spoken to you and challenged your life and said, what are you going to do about this? Or I want you to think about stepping out in a new area of service that you've never been involved in. Or, or giving your, your heart in a greater commitment to the work of God and his church. It may be there's a challenge there for you and you're thinking about it and pondering. And, and it's like, are you just giving it time? Because what Mary had seen, the word had been spoken. She'd seen something of the beginning of the fulfillment of it in her life. And she's holding on to it. And she's still believing it. And she's pondering and thinking, I need to get to grips with this. This is something more, something bigger than even I imagined. And she ponders on it. And she allows it to mature and think about it for a while. I want us to just take a moment to ponder and think, what has God been saying to me? How have I responded? You know, when I was, um, when Jan and I were married, there was a number of prophetic words that were spoken over us in, at our wedding. And one of the things that Jan and I do every um, wedding anniversary is we play the recording of our wedding. And... Um, the tape got a bit wangy, so we had to have it transferred to a DVD, now, um, a CD, and now we have it on CD. Um, <coughs> and, um, and we listen to it. And we just refresh our memories about those things that God has spoken over our lives. And so many of them, we have seen the fulfillment of them. Isn't that that's so precious to us? There are still some that are still are working their way through. And I don't think we'll ever... Um, see the total fulfillment of all that God promised us when we were married. But there are other things that God will have spoken to you at other times in your life that you've, you've maybe just said, well, now's not the day, now's not the day. There's a dear lady who remains a friend of ours who felt God's calling on her life when she came to Verwood Family Church. She said, when I was uh, a teenager, God spoke to me and said I should go to Syria. But I can't go, know how I can go to Syria now because I'm married, I've got children, I've got a husband who's not really on, on <coughs> um, board with that, that idea. And she said, what, what was that about? And we said, well, look, okay, maybe um, you can go to Syria. Let's think about how you could go to Syria. Not forever, because that's what she was thinking. She's saying, she even said to us, I think I'm going to have to divorce my husband so I can go to Syria. And we said, whoa, no, hang on a minute. <laughs> that's not where the church is at. And praise God, she went to Syria. And from that has, <coughs> has born relationships with people in Syria and churches in Syria that, that Jan and I have, which, um, because we then went with her the second time and so on. So, <coughs> but... What was great was seeing, here she was in her 60s, seeing the fulfillment of something God had spoken over her life as a teenager. And she hadn't let it go, but she'd almost despaired at ever seeing it fulfilled. There may be things that God has spoken to you. Don't despair, because God's call is irrevocable. God's call upon your life remains forever. His gifting is there forever. You need to just hang on in there and say, okay, Lord, how can this be? Okay? She did a sensible thing. She came and spoke to me. I was leaving the church at the time, and it was good because we were able to help her as a church to see a fulfillment of that. That's maybe what needs to happen. Okay, that was just a passing thought. But <coughs> Mary ponders, she allows every thought to 
to be captive to Christ. Then we turn over the page again. And um, to the end of the chapter, and Jesus is being presented in the temple. Now, bear in mind, we've seen um, a dozen years go by. We know nothing about what Jesus was like growing up as a young boy. But I'm sure that he was like all young boys. He played, he enjoyed life, he learned, he had to learn carpentry from his father. He would have spent time talking to the neighbors. I'm sure all the neighbors thought he was a lovely boy, and I think he would have been. I cannot imagine him being anything else other than polite, deferential, obedient to his parents, honoring of his parents, there for his mum and dad, there for his siblings. I expect he applied himself to his carpentry and absolutely impeccably. The neighbours would have said, oh, he's such a nice boy. Your son, he is such a lovely lad. You know what? I said this to him the other day and he told me that and I felt so good about my... I'm, honestly, I've never heard... Well, my, I'm, I, I just can't imagine. One of the things that, that some of you will remember is your parents saying to you, why aren't you like so-and-so, someone else's child? And you think, that friend of mine, I'm going to kick him when I see him because I don't want to be compared to him. I expect all the kids around, all the young boys around would have been saying, their mums would have been saying, why can't you be like Jesus? Joseph's son, he's such a nice lad. Oh, mum, he's a, you know. Um, But anyway, there was Jesus. We don't know what the story was like. But she was seeing the outworking, the fulfillment, the outworking of the words that God had spoken over her life. And yet it still wasn't all there. It was a growing process. And that's true of our Christian faith, isn't it? We, we, we step out and we follow Jesus and we have its purpose in our lives and we're walking with him and then we discover something new. And it's like, wow. Isn't that great? And I can tell you, I've been doing it for over 60 years, walking with Jesus, and I'm still opening up my Bible in the morning and reading something, and I'm thinking, whoa, thank you, Lord. Or somebody comes and speaks to me and shares something, and I think, that I, instead of thinking, yeah, I know that, I think, thank you, God, for reminding me. I was forgetting that. And it's the joy of walking with Jesus and the love that he has for us. And, and so there we are. She's seeing the, her son and they lose him and they're looking around. They're going up to Jerusalem. They lose him. He disappears and they go back to Jerusalem. They're having set off to go home. They won't go back to Jerusalem, search around the city and eventually find him in the temple talking with the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the, and the leaders of the temple and they say to him, what are you doing here? Because probably they had never had a moment when Jesus would have stepped out of line. He was so honouring to them and so obedient. And that's why they're completely distressed. This has never happened before. He's never behaved like this. And he says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they didn't understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. So she placed this value on them. She placed a value on what what she had seen and what she had heard 
And she thought, this is precious, this is important, I must hold on to this, I must keep it safe, because God's doing something. And just because for Mary, this was a, a, a direct fulfillment, him saying, I must be in my father's house, is a direct fulfillment of what the, the <coughs> um, angel had said to her earlier on, he will be... Um, Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And so she, she was the only one in the room in that sense who had heard that. And here she was, oh yeah. And I expect that would have given a sort of quickening moment in her heart of, yes, that's what I was told. That's what I was told. It's happening. Here he is. He's saying it's in his father's house. Wow, wow, yes, yes. So she treasures these things. She treasures what she's seen in his life. And there's the very living embodiment of everything that God had promised. So we move on. Number four. We're going to have to go to the Gospel of John for this. John chapter 19. And it says these words. John chapter 19. And verse, um, sorry, yeah, okay, verse 25. So the soldiers did these things, casting lots for <coughs> the clothing, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Now, I've used that in order to just come up with a T word. It's slightly not one that you'll have probably used. Certainly <coughs> um, you might have felt you were, you were doing this when you were shopping for your Christmas stuff at Morrison's, but you certainly wouldn't have said it to the lady at the checkout. Um, <coughs> but Mary is travailing, right? She travailed through the word that God has spoken to her. You know, when God speaks, it's not always going to be easy, the fulfillment of it. Mary had to see, stand there and see that this young man that had, was her son, that had come with so much promise, who'd lived his life, who'd received such public acclamation and recognition, who'd done some incredible things, and, and had gathered some followers, was being crucified on a cross. And she had to stand there and watch this and think, what was that all about? Was this what my life was coming to? That the one that I nurtured and cared for and loved was going to be crucified in such agony, in such pain, in such humiliation and dishonor? And so she had to go through with that and hold on to that. And that will be the case too. There'll be times when God speaks to you and you look at it and you think, I can't go through with this. This is too hard. Because actually, you know, I know it's a bit of a, uh, one of those sort of sayings, but no pain, no gain. It's like that in the gospel. 
The Bible's full of it and says, look, if you want to walk in the gospel of truth and if you want to walk with Jesus, there will be pain, there will be suffering, there will be agony. It's part of the package. Because Jesus suffered, we will suffer also. We suffer for his name's sake. And if you're just thinking it's all about what he can do for you, I'm sorry, but there will be pain and sacrifice. Abraham had been promised a son, had been promised to be the father of many nations. He takes it on his own bat and, and off his own bat with encouragement from his wife. When his wife doesn't give any children, she says, well, take my servant. He, he makes Hagar pregnant. She gives birth to Ishmael. And still God is saying, look, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Your wife, Sarah, is going to give birth. And Sarah laughs. She thinks it's uh, um, impossible Abraham is, um, believes God and it's reckoned to him as righteousness. That what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Are we like that? Do we believe that the things that God has spoken to us individually, maybe in this past year, maybe in your lifetime, the things that God has said to this church, he will perform. He will fulfill those things. And those of you who have sat here and were here with Sam when the church was started and you heard God's promises and heard God speaking, those things God is still able to perform. Okay, Just because the church has changed shape and looks different, it does not mean that God's word has become null and void and the things that he promised, oh no, no, actually that wasn't a promise, it was, only a, it was just a good idea. No, these are the promises of God and we need to hold on to those truths and say, yes God, we believe that you can do it. So don't be disappointed. There's pressing through, there's travel, there's pushing through and seeing God fulfill it. Abraham, coming back to him, Abraham's great dream, Isaac, turns up, the great promise of God, and he's there, Isaac, my son, he sees his son Isaac grow into a teenager, and then God says, right, I want you to go and sacrifice him. What? What? This is crazy. Sarah's not going to fall pregnant a second time, you know. And everything that Abraham had longed for and trusted God for, he's saying, look, go out there and sacrifice him and get rid and put an end to it. And sometimes that would be true. Maybe you've got an area of ministry and you think, yeah, God's called me to this. And God's saying, right, it's all over. It's stopped. I want you to let go. And you think, what? What? But Abraham got to that point, and if you've ever read the story, you can find it in the book of Genesis, but <clears throat> Abraham gets to that point. He goes and he's prepared to sacrifice everything that God promised because the only thing God wants is our heart. He doesn't want us even to fall in love with the things in that sense. He doesn't want us to worship the things that he's promised he's going to do in our lives. He wants us to worship him. That is the most important thing. It is not what he's called you to, not your ministry, not your area of expertise, nothing of that. All God wants is your heart and your devotion. And that's what he was testing with Abraham. Abraham, do you really trust me? Are you totally devoted to me? Abraham raises the knife and says, I'm going to kill this. He says, Abraham, stop. There's a sheep in the thicket over there. And so Abraham is, proves himself to God. And God is honours that. And that's what was happening for Mary. She was watching everything that she'd lived in and believed for <coughs> being crucified on the cross. Finally, 
Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. And it says these words. That <coughs> all these, it's talking about all the disciples, there are 120 of them, with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So Mary was there in the upper room. We don't often give much thought to it, but do we? Because we think about the apostles being there at the day of Pentecost, but we don't think about Mary. But she was there in the upper room on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon them. She had been obedient to the direction of, of Jesus saying, go and wait in Jerusalem and I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit upon you. And she went. And she saw in that moment, in the coming of the Holy Spirit and God pouring out his power upon his church, she saw probably the closest she was going to get to the fulfillment of all that God had spoken to her. Right back at the beginning of Luke when the angel came. And so it was a transformation moment for Mary. She's there. She's seen the crucifixion. She's pressed through in that difficult time. She's seen her son ascend to heaven. And she's waiting, and he tells them to go and wait to, to receive the fulfillment of all that, that they were <coughs> hoping for and, and expectation of. And God pours out his spirit, baptizes them with the Holy Spirit. And the whole picture probably came together for Mary in a way that was extraordinary at that time. Now I understand. Now I'm beginning to see what God's doing. And you know, we need the outpouring of the spirit in our lives to understand the things that God is speaking to us. He said, look, actually, you don't need anyone to teach you because the Spirit will teach you. And actually, my words aren't going to teach you. It's only what the Spirit does with the words that I bring. And <clears throat> I pray that as we just bring, come to this close here, this moment, we're just going to take a few moments. I want you just to think back. What has God spoken to me? What has God spoken to me? If you're somebody and you say, well, look, actually, I don't ever think God's spoken to me. I, I did feel God say to me, just to challenge you all with this, is if you haven't been baptized, you maybe need to be baptized. Because baptism is one of the first things we do when God speaks to us and we obey him. And if you're resisting baptism and saying, no, 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 I don't want to do that, I don't think I'm ready for that, maybe there's no other thing that God wants to say to you at this time until you do the one thing he has asked you to do, which is to be baptized. So I encourage you to follow in Christ's footsteps and be baptized. Okay, we can, we can do that. But let's come back to it. God is wanting to speak to us. He may have spoken to us. He's always wanting to speak to us. It's not his reluctance to speak. It's our um, 
sometimes impatient, sometimes too busy to listen, or we just don't believe that he's talking to us. But God does want to speak to each one of us and has spoken to us, and there are things that he wants to fulfill in your life that you haven't seen happen. And as we come towards the close of 2023, I just want you to think back over this last year and all the things that you've heard and the things that you've said. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, just come and quicken your word. There are things that people have forgotten. Just pray, Lord, that you'd just stir their memory and just bring that recollection back to them. What if there are things that were spoken perhaps in childhood or in teenage years or in the early days of walking with you, things that they've just let drift, they haven't treasured, we haven't pondered on, we haven't worked through. Lord, I just know that you're a God of grace and love and you want to just stir our hearts again with the excitement of maybe that could happen. Take a moment to reflect on these things. I just feel God giving me a picture of you, of some of you unwrapping something and thinking, yeah, God's saying something. And it's like you're unwrapping a present at Christmas and as you take off the paper, you think, oh my goodness, I've forgotten I even had this. And you're looking at something that belongs to you it's been wrapped up in wonderful paper and you've, you've excitedly opened it and oh wow and it's like God is saying look there are things I'm going to reveal to you and you may be pushing through and thinking yeah there's something God's saying and when you actually hear it it's like oh wow I remember being told this years ago and I've forgotten all about it Thank you, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit, come upon us. We pray. Stir our hearts, make us receptive to your word. Thank you, Lord, that the things that you have spoken, the promises you've made to us, Lord, you will fulfill. Lord, that Whatever you speak, you are also able to perform. Lord, we pray that too over this church as part of New Life Community Church. Lord, we 
you've made promises to us. that we have yet to see fulfilled. Promises about what you want us to do in Wimborne and how you want your church to be seen in Wimborne. Lord, we pray that you'd quicken our hearts again to see the fulfillment of these promises for your glory and your honour. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. We trust you in this situation. Thank you, Jesus. And those of you who are around at the beginning, just really feel that God wants to honour you and refresh in you that, that heart, that excitement that you set out on this journey here in Wimborne. God wants to honour you for your faithfulness and your love and your obedience to him and to honour you for trusting his word through the tough times. Father, we thank you. We pray a special blessing upon those who are here this morning, who walked with Sam and his family through the early years of the church here in Wimborne. Lord, we thank you for the foundations that have been laid. Thank you for what you want to impart and what you want to do, Lord, and the significant impact you want this church to have in the town. We trust you, Lord Jesus. You will build your church. Thank you. Lord, may we be servants of yours and say let it be to us according to your word thank you lord god thank you Hallelujah.